Welcome to Bloody Mary, a podcast about horror movies and what they mean to us. I'm your host, Kristen Lighty, and tonight we have with us Nebraska's own Zach Peterson. Hey, Zach. Hey, thanks for having me. Yes, of course. You know, we met in Chicago so many years ago, and uh, it's a pleasure to have you on the pod. You're always such a delightful person. Oh, that's nice. That's nice of you to say. That's the first time I've ever been uh, described as delightful. Are you kidding me? Other times it's off-putting, maybe. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, for one, enjoy your cave-centric humor. So Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So why don't you tell the people a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure, sure. I'm a stand-up comic from Omaha. I lived in Chicago and Los Angeles for a while. I moved back here a couple years ago. I just mostly just do stand-up. I have podcasts called No Coast Comedy Club, which I haven't released lately, but I I have a a, a vast backlog of ones that I'm working on that I will be getting out soon. And I just started a new podcast. I actually recorded the first one today with Jacob Lowry called Adult Contemporary. Oh, what's that about? That's a great oh, name. Yeah, it's about being like shiftless adults, essentially. It's uh <laughs> I mean, we're we're still sort sort of working out the bugs. Uh we we had a football podcast for a while and then we decided that we really didn't want to talk about football anymore. So how can we podcast? In the first episode, we ended up talking about Jamie Foxx a lot because can't think of a better, more well-rounded entertainer like ever, you know? And he tried to disagree with me, and I think I proved him wrong a lot. What else I got going on? Um, I got a record out, Midwestern Jokes with the Americas. I'm recording my second record tomorrow. Oh, um, holy shit. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, I'm at the Omaha Funny Bone. It's going to be a good time. That, that record is called A List of West Celebrities. Um, <laughs> <laughs> And the the special will be out on YouTube and possibly other places, depending on what the production company does, what they where they put it. But yeah, mostly stand up. I teach stand up classes here in Omaha. I tour the country. All my tour dates are at museumofuglyfathers.com. And yeah, <laughs> I love naming things poorly. You're really good at it. No, you're good at it. Well, I, I like it. Like I, I was on I was on the radio last night promoting the special and and uh, I like, you know, I'd say all these things out loud and these are older folks. I mean, they're cool and everything, but like, they're just like really confused and like, why do you keep naming things like this? And like, <laughs> I mean, I guess someone has to abuse me, I guess. I guess suppose it's going to be me. I, I think that's it, right? I think that's all the stuff I got going on. That's it. That's that's a lot, my friend. Oh, sure. <laughs> I, run, I run a bunch of shows here in Omaha, too, but that's if you're in Omaha, follow Broken Magic uh comedy on you know any website you want to uh that's my my production company etc etc nice Mm -hmm. so i gotta ask since you're in omaha have you been to the museum of shadows i've not i've i've driven by it i've seen it a bunch uh do you know chris schlichting i do yes yeah one time i ran to him he's like i was just the museum of shadows it was stupid i'm like okay (laughs) (laughs) he he is the one that recommended i go oh yeah uh, yeah. there's a lot of haunted dolls in there yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I sell things on eBay. I'm a junk collector and junk seller. And so I'm sure I have a couple of haunted things in here. Regardless, I just think we jive really well together. You know, mm-hmm. they, they know that I'm cool and I think they're cool. So we're good. Yeah, I'm glad you've got a working relationship with them. That's <laughs> mm-hmm. So, Zach, what is your relationship to horror movies? How do you feel about them as a genre? Oh, I I adore horror movies. They're my favorite uh, movies to see in the theater. Uh, I love most types of horror. I don't like gore. Like I'm I'm very like on gore centric. I love you know 
sort of the, the the ones where they allude to it you know like if if you create that fear uh without you know showing us i like i just get all squiggly I, I i don't like it you know i really like psychological thrillers i really like stuff that makes you think i think with horror there are oftentimes no bounds in what you can present um whether that be uh reality or uh you know good taste it's one of the genres that is explored a lot more uh that explores a lot more than uh other genres like drama i mean obviously can but you know if you go too far into non-reality and in drama it becomes science fiction or it becomes horror it becomes you know a different genre so i just like how boundless the things can be and all things are motivated by fear you know all things are like uh whether it's a even like a romance movie is motivated by fear of losing someone or, or fear oh. of being alone or fear mm-hmm. of whatever but uh, it's just much more pronounced in horror uh i mean there's always one, one of the things i see in horror movies are how they uh really they set the stakes really quickly most horror movies like something like it follows or it comes at night or the first and, and like even like you know child's play or friday the 13th the first scene is going to be someone dying or someone hurt or something like that that gives us the stakes the stakes are the highest stake possible which is pain death you know the things that we fear on a consistent basis i mean not not all of us fear being alone not all of us fear being uh you know destitute or whatever or not being famous or you know all these other things um but we all fear death we all fear the unknown you know and i i think that's a real unifying um theme that horror presents mm-hmm. yeah That's such a great analysis. I love that. I always feel like horror kind of like lines up with my work as well in that, Mm -hmm. you know, you are presented the problem, usually first frame, and then the whole movie is essentially like, how are you going to fix it? So I feel like horror is kind of a metaphor for organizing too. Like you better fix it or you'll die. (laughs) Right, 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 right. Got to find its weakness. Yeah. So what is the first horror movie you remember seeing? The first horror movie I remember seeing is the original The Thing. Oh. Uh, the one from the 50s. 50s, yeah. the shit out of me. Believe it or not, but I've always had high anxiety. Uh, all the way back from a kid, I wouldn't sleep, you know, because I, you know, turns out I had OCD and uh, anxiety disorders and, and panic disorders and stuff. But like I would get, a, I'd get obsessive thoughts about all the terrible things that could happen. I remember watching The Thing and Gremlins and just scaring the shit out of me. And then like, you know, I could never you know, have an empty back seat of a car or else I'd be terrified. And I sit up and, uh, you know, just sit up at night and think about stuff. But that's the the initial one that I remember really shaking me, you know, and I was younger. So I was like five, six or seven. You know, my parents were pretty strict on what I could watch. I couldn't do R-rated movies, not until I was in my teens. And when that was the case, they had to be true stories. What they, an interesting caveat. <laughs> right, right. My, mo- my mom was always, my dad didn't let me watch already stuff with him until he was you know until i was like 18 but my mom was just like well you've got to learn about the world learn about the bad parts too you know and that was how like based on a true story thing really i took that and i stretched it as much as i could like so like how you know texas chainsaw massacre was based on a true story when it's just like ed gein made stuff out of people and that was the whole basis of that, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, they do say it in the beginning of the film. So, mm-hmm. you know. John Larroquette, that's that's his first film appearance. Wow. Oh, his first, his voice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was like, I don't remember him. But, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, that, 
Wild. Text Chainsaw Massacre is another one that really fucked me up, but it, I was older then. But that was just over at a friend's house when we were watching Dex Chainsaw Massacre. And, oh boy, that was, that's oh, up yeah. there at the Pantheon. That's one of the first movies I ever saw, period. And I just remember thinking, like, okay, there's people out there like this, so be on guard. <laughs> right, right. Oh, man. <laughs> honestly, looking back, probably not bad advice to give to young me. So. <laughs> Sure. Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, I decided to make it my whole personality when I was in high school. I was like, all right, I'm buying the t-shirt and I want to walk around and look, you know, I was the guy who smelled like cigarettes was asleep in every class. And so, oh yeah. Mm -hmm. I thought it was very cute that I hid that I smoked and now smelling smokers. I'm like, there's no way everyone right. didn't know. Right. I, I, I came from a smoking household, you know. So oh, like, lucky. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> lucky me. I was born with undeveloped lungs. No, oh, um, no. I, my lungs are, my lungs are fine. Uh, but yeah, uh, just I could smoke and then everything smelled like smoke. So I just fit in. Mm -hmm. You know, I was just thinking back to something you said, and I was kind of curious because, you know, you had mentioned that upon first seeing horror, you know, it kind of poked at your anxieties, mm -hmm. but it's something you grew to love. What was that? What flipped the switch for you? I don't know. I read this book a few years back and it, it talked about how we sort of follow our fear and how we follow to understand it. Cause it's about horror movies and the attraction to horror movies and attraction to, you know, sort of morbid stuff and why people like sort of follow morbid stuff, you know, uh, myself being someone who's in the true crime haunted houses and horror movies and stuff like that. It really makes me interest. And it, it's about like, I think it sort of comes to the fact that I want to understand it. I want to understand where this anxiety is coming from. Um, I want to sort of gain knowledge, you know, if someone is after me, what's the, what are the best ways to, you know, maneuver that situations? So I think it's like, you know, when, uh, sort of exposure therapy for an anxious person. I, I think that there's a lot of people that I know that are very anxious that are uh, very much into horror movies for that reason. I mean, it's not a uh, coincidence that the majority of horror viewers are women because I mean, like in a very scary world, specifically for women, uh, you know, people follow fear. They follow what they're afraid of to learn about, it, to learn about themselves, to learn about those situations, to learn about uh, the bad things. And it, the more you learn about something, the less frightening it becomes. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. And I always feel like kind of powerful when I turn off a horror movie and I'm like, made it. It's done. Right. You right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I got, I go uh, every Halloween. My girlfriend and I, we go down to uh, Universal Studios and we do the Halloween horror nights there. What is that like? That, that sounds fun. That is uh, like a, essentially Hollywood level haunted houses Whoa. with all Universal properties. So there's the Universal monsters, and then other times there's a Halloween one, as in Mike Myers, John Carpenter, and there's also like a Jordan uh, Peele Us. Haunted house. What? Where, yeah, where, like there's one of the bunny rabbits, and then you go into the the mirror maze, and like you're inside of the movie. Do you like ride an escalator down into that weird tethered world? Yeah, yeah. We don't ride an escalator; just walk in. You know, they're just go to that. they're on the studio lots. Oh, they're so good. I mean, it's it's so much fun. I don't drink anymore because of my medication uh, for anxiety. And uh, that day, I don't take my anxiety drugs. I just get really drunk, <laughs> wander around on <laughs> houses. <laughs> It's my special treat. Right, right, right. That's how I treat myself. Fear. I love haunted houses, but like I get a little punchy in them. Like I mm -hmm. will defend myself. And then I have to be like, oh, they're an actor. Calm down. Like, 
Right, right. See, and I haven't been to like a, a like a regular haunted house, like a mom pop, you know, haunted house, um, locally sourced haunted house uh, in such a long time. And I'm sort of more afraid of just some random haunted house uh, than the corporate haunted houses because I think they're a little more uh, restrained and you know they're meant for the consumption of the masses uh, and to like honor these intellectual properties, you know. And so I, I think it's a little bit different, a little bit more uh, less uh intense there's a ghostbusters one and it was just like oh slimer cool yay you know like it's essentially like a going to disneyland you know yeah that i'm in my I, 40s and drunk i definitely see the point there there's much more liability for these people to protect as opposed to like the little mom and pop places where it's like this is travis he's gonna work for the day you know? right 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 <laughs> He just got off work release. Now it's time for him to have a chainsaw. Yeah, do the magic. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, for us to talk about tonight, Zach has chosen the A24 film from 2017. It comes at night, mm -hmm. which we go full spoiler on Bloody Mary. So go watch it if you haven't already. But it's the story of two families who are competing and trying to live together. Post-apocalypse, there is a um, sickness covering the earth and you know the film is kind of elusive in exactly what's going on but one thing's right. for certain it is sad <laughs> <laughs> that's right that's right so zach why did you pick the saddest movie ever um because i it's it's one of those movies that's extremely polarizing i i usually meet people that love it or absolutely despise it and when a horror movie really affects me i i don't like i'm not like in a bathtub like ready like you know scared or anything but rather it makes me think about you know larger ideas outside of the movie and this movie it doesn't it doesn't give you anything really it's a very like you know this is what happens now deal with it and there's there's not a lot of answers and when my my first reflection on this movie was if there is a cataclysmic event that affects the entire human race like the plague does or uh, the sickness does or whatever you want to call it from this movie we're gonna we're gonna live like these families where our humanity is erased because of our fear uh we have zero knowledge of what's actually going on and we will survive and the morality is completely gray all over and i think it does such a great job of you know like sort of holding on to the morality of uh you know what is important family survival carving out a life in a terrible place and then also how those things how those borders of a morality are bendable you know because everyone in this movie there's no good guys or those no bad guys there's just people trying to survive and the the main antagonists you know the first family i forget what the family is named but you know you're rooting for them the dude kills people for self-preservation and that's probably not a good idea but also you understand it it's this you know it's much of a horror movie about the things that are outside of you know the plague and the possible monster in the woods or who knows what it's a much of a horror movie about that and then uh as well as what reasonable people can be pushed to because of fear yeah i, I definitely felt within this film you know and the two families you have kim andrew and will 
and then Sarah, Paul, and Travis. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Paul represents that protection at all costs. Mm-hmm. Like he's very quick to kill uh, people. And then Will, I think, kind of, I don't know if he has ulterior motives because they right. kind of dance around that a little bit. Um, but I feel like Will is more trusting and wants to give, I mean, wants to not shoot people execution style right away. But yeah. <laughs> but also there's, you know, you could think that maybe he is in cahoots with those people. Maybe he meant to set up uh, the first Will, right? Or yeah. the other the, the other family. Uh, and this was an ambush he helped set up. We don't know that. So, I mean, is that killing justified? We don't know. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I, that's like the weird moral gray area that this entire movie like exists in. We don't know what the stakes are. We don't know what the threats are. And if something terrible like this happened, then we would never know. And there there is no concrete answers and in life like that's what really exists uh you know i'm 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 anti-murder i'm gonna put that out there right <laughs> right now uh you know but in in that situation when your values are essentially the preservation of your family and yourself mm-hmm. you have to think about it from the uh the antagonist point of view and did they do the right thing did they do all they could well they sir, certainly think so and i certain you know it's it's very it's extremely nebulous in every place and that's why that's why i like it so much yeah it definitely leaves you the viewer to like just kind of piece it together and uh, i was having a conversation with my mom the other day actually we were Mm -hmm. talking she said that she doesn't feel like people respect law anymore Mm -hmm. and i was like well our living conditions have gotten so like hand to mouth minimum wage is like 725 which how how do you even live off that i see a lot of parallels in this film of you know you do what you can for your family to make sure that they can survive Mm -hmm. and there was that line when travis was talking to sarah and paul and paul was saying you know will is is a bad person he broke in here he was going to steal food we don't know what his motives were but travis said you would do the same you would do the same thing for your family Right. right. So I think it, the film really does play with that moral ambiguity in a really powerful way. Yeah. I was just curious, like on the spectrum of protectionist to trusting, where do you think you would fall more? That's that's a that's a hard question to answer because you don't you know, you don't know those things until you're put in that situation. I'd like mm-hmm. to think that I'm like the more trustworthy, like the trusting person, more like a like, hey, come on in. Let's have a communal living situation. And, you know, and that's what they did for a while. And it sort of worked until it didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'd like to think that's what I am. But push come to shove. Who knows? You know, it's a, sort of be like a fight or flight. Uh, mechanism like when you're put in that situation do you really know how you would react um i'd like to think that i would be trusting the the main character travis was the main the the like 17 year old boy yeah yeah travis and his family they uh i mean we essentially assume that they're the good guys right and but you can sort of put you know any sort of ideal ideology onto them whereas they you know are are accepting to an extent Mm-hmm. Um, you know, after the tie guy to a tree for a day. And then, but also like, I, I, I sort of see this representation of the survivalist, the right wing survivalist that everything is going to turn to shit and I better Ooh, get yeah. my stuff together. And then you sort of see how they could think of themselves as the good guy. And, you know, 
from my point of view and a lot of people's point of view, no, they're not. But <laughs> in, in that situation, you know, like the survive, like that survival mentality becomes the morality. I, I just find that really interesting because if, you know, if we put a red hat on, uh, onto the father, you know, then we would, you know, and then, then it become so much more, uh, morally murky. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. And I think we just root for them because we meet them first and that's how we're trained as viewers to be exactly. like, Oh, we saw you first. You're a friend. Yeah. And the will and the the family that comes, they are doing the exact same thing. I mean, they're not bad people. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, the, they're only the thing that gets them killed at the end is that they're protecting their, their son. The same thing that the other family is doing, you know, and, and the, whose fault is it that everyone gets infected? No one knows. Yeah. You know, but some, and we, they blame each other because that's human nature. Who do you think got who sick? Uh, um, well, the dog. You know, the dog went out and got sick somehow. We don't know where the virus comes from. Maybe it's from, maybe it's an alien virus. Maybe it's uh, like, you know, whatever. Maybe he went and dug up the remains of the grandfather. Uh, but the dog went missing, came back and was placed in the middle of the, uh, the, the house, you know, mysteriously. Don't know exactly how. And the small child, Andrew. not Travis, Andrew. Yeah, he, uh, you know, he was up wandering around. So I assume you'd assume that that's where I mean, because it's 24 hours for the uh, effects to take place. So he was the first one sick. He was the first one with his, the, uh, the the eye thing is, you know, the the first stages are the black, the pu pupils of your eyes start to expand to your entire eye. And that, he was the first one uh, to show symptoms. So one would assume that he got it first from his interaction with the dog or whatever was outside. I don't you know, wonder I don't if the grandpa was the one that got everyone sick. Mm. Cause like, how could they be in the house together and not have it spread? Right. Right. I mean, but it, it would have been a little bit like 24 hours, but also they burned the body. So that, does that mean that the grandpa or the dead can come back? Does that mean that they, there is that ability for uh, some sort of post death haunting? maybe yeah i think oh speaking of the dog stanley i think that was like the tensest scene i've ever watched where stanley just runs out into the woods mm -hmm. and you don't know like if something is out there and is going to hurt him or you know also just the stress of losing your pet right Ugh, brutal it was brutal right, right. <laughs> But, but you know, it's the dog, the animalistic fear is it also, you know, it's, it's a very base uh, emotion. Even the dog feels it. And he, what if, what if, uh, you know, he smells the grandfather and the grandfather is alive oh. and wasn't burnt entirely. And he's going to his friend, you know, his, his owner. And, uh, and that's who gets him sick or at least because, well, the dog's not really showing signs of. I don't know how it manifests itself in dogs, but he's like just burst open. You know, I don't know if that's doesn't seem to happen with anyone else. Yeah, that actually felt like a little bit of a nod to the thing you know, with the right. dogs. <laughs> Trust no one, you know. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, uh, say it is the end of the world and we're trying to live in a, in a cooperative setting. What's your skill? What do you what do you bring to the, the co-op? Not Zach? a lot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, like I'm a, I'm a able body, you know what I mean? Like I can, I worked on a farm. I'm a big muskox, 
I can, you know, nothing too complicated, but I, you know, I can do a lot of it or whatever, like carry stuff. You know, it's just like, I'm, I'm, I'm not muscular, but I'm the muscle. You know what I mean? Like put a plow on me. I can just... <laughs> Well, you I worked on just, a farm. I feel like that's valuable. Yeah, I grew well. I mean, I grew up on a farm. I wasn't tasked for planting or harvesting. It was more like if there's a tractor, I can drive it. But I mean, the post-apocalyptic society is you know, tractor drivers really going to you know you're going to need that. But yeah, gardening is not one of them. Maybe you would. I'm I'm very I'm very like on a scale of one to five. I'm like at a one and a half two of woodworking. Oh, um, that's yeah. better than me. <laughs> I built shelves and they, they work, but they don't look good. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> we'll put a photo of the shelves in the link for the episode. Yeah. Well, there's no like uniform space or anything. Like I have shelves built by professional upstairs and down, I'm in my basement now. And uh, that's where the things that I make stay because no one should see them. <laughs> well, I think those skills sound good. I am a, a liberal arts kid through and through. So my skills... Uh... I wouldn't. Ha I mean, if we need to think critically on the co-op, maybe, but uh, right. nope, I wouldn't be able to pull my weight. I think. <laughs> I, I, I someone has a bit about just like at the end of the world, everyone's like, "I'm going to survive," and then was like, "No, I'm not going to do that. Why would I want to live in a world like that?" That too, it does sound awful. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> like if we had to choose someone who's going to live. Maybe it's the guy who can do a pull-up. <laughs> Oh, what a terrible world. <laughs> also, I feel like one of the big themes that jumped out at me was Travis. And first off, how lonely it must be to be Travis, a 17-year-old boy. Right. Stuck forever with your mom and dad. Yeah. And like not really getting to have normal coming of age experiences. It's almost like he's forever stunted. Right, right. I mean, there's there's no light at the end of the tunnel either. It's just like, this is just what it's going to be forever. And the only thing he has looked forward to is death. Oh, my God. Uh, well, I mean, because you always see like his dreams and his visions and the red door and all, all of his nightmares are part of the movie. And it's, you know, like you think about the fear of the parents of keeping their family safe. The, I mean, the fear of this kid is that his life will always be colored by you know, the plague or the sickness and he'll never escape it and he'll never have any other life, which is terrifying. Mm -hmm. I do think about kids like whose formative years were during like 2020 to 2022 COVID years. Like, ooh, wonder how that's going to manifest later on. Right, right. Mm -hmm. I have no clue. I mean, how old would they be now? Like they're graduating or whatever. God, I don't know. I don't talk. I, haven't, I don't think I've ever spoke to an 18 year old. Mm, no, I try not to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, since I work in public education adjacent, there were a mm -hmm. lot of kids that, you know, if it was their senior year, they, they really got robbed of that camaraderie and uh, community, really. It's, right. it's sad. I don't know. I feel like I couldn't help but think about COVID and the lockdown while watching this movie because it kind of mm -hmm. felt like, oh, man, is this where we could have gone? You know? <laughs> mm hmm. I bet you there are some people up in Idaho or something that like it was very similar. Oh, yeah. I yeah. Mean, Idaho got so scary. Right. Right. I mean, if it's just all disinformation and you don't know what's actually going on, you don't have that sort of ability to uh, filter information from, you know, uh, reality and unreality, then, you know, all bets are off. 
Yeah, I think that was one of the scariest things about this movie is that they didn't talk about outside information at all. Like Mm -hmm. it was just expected that like, yeah, everyone else is dead. Well, you think about a movie like The Quiet Place, you know, where they're like, I've been doing research in my little lab. And I have I've a whiteboard. I wrote on it. <laughs> right, right. I discovered the aliens' weaknesses. And it's like, <laughs> what, what did you do before this? You know, like, how do you discover aliens? Now, in reality, it'd just be guy going, don't open that door. I don't know what the hell's out there. You know, like, <laughs> yes. I, I, I mean, that's where I would go. Like, it was like, Zach figured out this alien's weakness. I'm like, have you tried throwing rocks at it? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's as far as it goes with me, you know. So, yeah, I, I just I just like sort of the understanding that when when the, everything goes away, you know, there is one like thing that rules us and that's fear. And I, I, I think that that's, you know, I think that's what makes this movie so profound to me. Mm-hmm. So Zach, what, what do you think comes at night? Fear, you know, like, I mean, the, the, the big like overarching hammer that is on this movie is that like, like, you know, something to fear, but fear itself. Cause it's all, all fear. So when it comes the nightmares come at night, you know, like the intruders come at night, the sickness comes at night. Like it, it's all like just darkness and darkness as a, an allegory of lack of light of not knowing, you know, it, so it's, it's just like things were dark at night. We don't know what's out there. And is there anything out there at all? And to me, I think that's way scarier because a lot of people were very angry at this film that there was no reveal and no monster. But right. I think just the idea of not knowing and that maybe the horror is us is a lot scarier. Right. Could you imagine if there was just like an alien that walks out at the end? You're just like, oh, Jesus, this movie sucks. You know, like. <laughs> yeah. He's I, like, Mom, Mom, it was me. Yeah. <laughs> it's just me. You know, the old, the old groundskeeper. I mean, like this movie and then No Country for Old Men. I I saw those in the theater. And then at the end, I distinctly remember people going, is that it? You know, and (laughs) and when I hear that, I'm just like, yeah, this movie's great. You know, like I I want something to chew on on the way home. It's one of those uh, coffee and pie movies. After the after the movie, you go and have coffee and pie with the person who went with and talk about the movie. And I think that's a mark of like a really interesting movie. Yeah, I like that. And plus, you know, people is an A24 movie. You know what you signed up for. Right, right. <laughs> who is legend? It says I am legend, but who's legend? Like it doesn't it doesn't matter. You know? <laughs> what does the red door represent to you? Oh, it's just, a, it's just a portal, you know, it's a portal to the unknown. It's a portal to, I mean, you could, you could see it as like death. You could see it as, uh, you know, wh- where do we go after we die? We don't know. And, you know, the, the original fear of humanity is death because it's the unknown. And that red door represents death because it's the outside. And the first time we see it, we go through it and see his grandpa die you know when that door is open then death comes in way of the dog you know Mm -hmm. it's it's what because they're you think they're safe in the house uh and then outside of the house is where the fear resides is where the death resides Mm -hmm. do you uh see the painting that painting that's all over the movie I don't think so. It looks like a Hieronymus Bosch uh, painting. but Oh, the painting of like, it's very uh, end timey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh. it's called The Triumph of Death. It's a it's a uh, painting about uh, about the plague. 
you know, in the 1400s. And yeah, it's, it's just about death winning, you know, it's like everything's collapsing and that's sort of what this movie is. <laughs> and also yeah. I just, I just found out that this movie was written by the director the day after, like he started writing it the day after his dad passed away. Ooh. So like, it's it's really like he says it's a really personal movie and it's you know it's about this you know it's about death obviously and like the fear of death and the inevitability of these things that are coming for us you know at the end at night yeah man that that definitely comes through in the film that suffering you know mm -hmm. yeah it's bleak it's real bleak <laughs> It definitely is. I like in terms of like favorite parts, it, it, it's also pretty bleak. But like, I love that scene where Kim and Travis are talking about their imaginary meals at the table. Like, mm -hmm. it's sweet and it's bonding, but it's also so sad. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. They're like in this purgatory between life and death, you know, of of a life that they once lived full of joy, cupcakes and whatever. And then there's just, you know, what is there to look forward to? Yeah. And, and the closing scene with uh, Sarah and Paul sitting at the table, like looking at each other. And it's just like it begs the question, like you're struggling to survive this much, but what are you living for? Right. Oh, yeah. Left me like a gnawing pit in my stomach. Yeah. Well, it's like, was it all worth it? But also, could it, could we wound up anywhere but here? Mm. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Also, other brutal, brutal scene. Paul deciding to kill Andrew. And then the mother, Kim, is screaming, why'd you kill my baby? Kill me. You might as well kill me. And it feels like... He doesn't even really contemplate it much. He just shoots the mom right away too. And right. it was like, God damn. Right. Yeah. They it's I mean, there's like a tinge of like regret when you when he shot the kid because he obviously that wasn't who he was aiming for. And I, I think there that wasn't a an aggressive murder but rather a pity murder of like that's what i would want to happen to me if anything happened to my kid yeah no and oh then, yeah and then that's exactly what happens you know everyone dies yeah oh you know so i always ask favorite parts um but w w you know for this movie that feels a little off uh what what do you think were the most compelling parts or that stood uh, out most to you i mean there's that long shot with stanley the dog that you were talking about like how tense it gets uh, where the dog is barking to the dark, you know, and there's obviously something there, but you don't know what, and just, you know, it's, it's very scary, but at the same time, like such a real cool, interesting shot. And I've, you know, I grew up on a farm and the woods at night are scary. I mean, I yes. would run, you know, I would run in between outbuildings at night if I had to go grab something or do something. Because it's it's so scary and like just you know one small light in this ocean of darkness and the dog and it just brings back a lot of like you know dread and emotion and you know you can feel that exact fear of the characters in that moment. I I just think that's such like an interesting way to you know frame the whole movie because that's essentially what it is. I mean, it's a dog barking at the dark. R.I.P. Stanley. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I know I did say repeatedly it's sad and brutal, but I did enjoy it. Yeah. Was this your first time seeing it? It was actually. Okay, cool. It's yeah, it's a polarizing movie. I can, you know, someone's like, I don't like it. It's like, I get that. Mm -hmm. I get it. 
it's not a it's not a movie to sit down and be entertained by like oh boy you know it's a really like sort of heavy, heavy yeah movie. yeah definitely uh okay any any final thoughts on it comes at night it's only 90 minutes long i appreciate so, that i love a 90 right, minute movie right, right right it reminds me of like a twilight zone episode you know it reminds like there's those old twilight zone episodes of uh you know like one of one of these people on the suburban street is an alien and they go crazy looking for each other. It reminds me of just something very similar to that. And that's, I remember one summer, uh, my brother's friend across the street had all the Twilight Zones on VHS. And I sat in some, I sat inside, watched all the Twilight Zone on VHS alone. And I think that, and I think this is probably a better answer to one of your questions earlier. I think that forever colored my ideas of, you know, like media and like, I've always sort of chased that high. Mm, uh, god that show is so good it's it's incredible and i don't know if you've ever read any brannigan uh but like you know he did the box where it's like if if you hit this button then you know you'll get x amount of money but people will die and think and he he wrote i am legend is it no it's not brannigan it's matheson brannigan was trout fishing in america uh (laughs) just completely different But yeah, Matheson, Richard Matheson, and he, him and Sterling wrote the majority of the the Twilight Zone, but his stuff is just, I mean, he did I Am Legend, and it's just very, like, twisted, and I mean, not twist, not twist, like, fucking twisted dudes. (laughs) But, like, a lot of twists, a lot of, like, you know, the good guy is actually the bad guy, you know, and a lot of, like, uh, a lot of morality tales, And, and this is what really, like, this really hits that scratches that itch for me mm. you know in my if you like the twilight zone stuff where it's a little bit more high-minded but it's not in your face about like these larger ideas i think this is up your alley okay gotta butt in and ask what's your favorite twilight zone episode oh uh man uh, number one is always going to be the first one the all the time in the world i the beholder oh the glasses always... right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. ah yeah 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 that one's great that one has a great twist and it uh i mean there's all those bradbury ones too and i love like march and chronicles ones you know i am completely unprepared for it but yeah i will just say i the beholder you know that's the one where the woman wakes up and she's like covered in bandages Oh, the and pig then, face people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, she's hideous. And then, yeah. you know, it's like some, you know, beautiful but to actress. Us, she is beautiful. Exactly. I love that. I mean, and and also when you like when you look at like the amount of influence that this Twilight Zone and a sort of like 50s atomic era science fiction had on the stuff like The Simpsons. Oh yeah. You know, like all the references and sort of like the the cultural uh influence of that like uh, really like fed into the everything that i liked yeah outstanding show i've been meaning to rewatch the jordan peele ones or, or see those good ones yeah I should check them out yeah and, and black mirror is another one that's sort of like that i mean but they really fell off after a couple seasons yeah i love sci-fi horror morality stuff me too i think my favorite twilight zone uh one of them is definitely the gamblers where they find that camera that takes pictures of the future. Yes. And then I also really love the one about uh, the woman who keeps having the dream about the plane crash and room for one more. And uh, then she doesn't get on and she keeps having the same dream repeatedly. And it almost feels like mm-hmm. Groundhog's Day in the episode. And it's like maddening. But then you're like, ah, she doesn't die in a plane crash. Um, so I liked that one, too. Yeah. Oh, they're all good. I gotta. I, I have to rewatch. They're all great. Mm-hmm. They are. So this episode will come out in about a month. 
Um, you'll have your new album out by then. Where should people look for it? And what else would you like people to know that you've got going on? Um, well, they have the, I don't know when the special is coming out. Um, this is my first time being like videotaped. <gasps> oh, I didn't realize it was like a, a video too. That's so yeah. cool. Yeah. I don't, I don't know exactly what the audio is going to do. Um, I got to someone talk to some labels and maybe it'll come out a label. If not, I'll just put it out. Museum of ugly com is where all my dates are. I mean, in June, I will be up in Detroit, Chicago for a second, Indianapolis on the way back. I'm, I'm at all sorts of music festivals this year. I'm doing Maha and I'm doing alternating currents. Oh, that's a fun one. I did that is last that? year. I loved it. Awesome. It was really cool. Yeah. And Omaha Comedy Festival will be around doing stuff for that. Um, nice. Well, fundraiser. Oh, what is it fundraising for? Oh, the fundraiser for the festival. Oh, gotcha. What is the first festival you mentioned? It was Moha? Maha. What's that? That's the the local big uh, music festival. Like last year, I think like Thundercat was the headliner, Thundercat and Pup. This year, it's Always and Turnstile, and we have a comedy tent. Oh, and, that's awesome. Yeah, we have uh, Troy Walker coming in from Los Angeles and... Uh, Brad Wendell is going to stop by and we just have a lot of locals filling out the stuff and it's, it's always a good time. And yeah, I run Don't Tell here. I run the stuff on Tiny House, uh, Tiny House Bar, which is a really good show. Bull Moose, last Sundays. We'll have all that links in the episode so you all can look at it. Well, Zach, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's been really great to chat with you. Thanks for having me and thanks for letting me talk about a movie that no one liked. <laughs> Well, it's been Zach Peterson. I've been Kristen Lighty, and this has been Bloody Mary. Have a great night. Mm-hmm.